Well, it's good to be here with you tonight, and uh, uh, there are many things I want to talk about, but I want to just talk right up front about the books, because then I'm going to go into something, actually, uh, the Lord shifted my message a little bit, and I didn't even get a chance to tell my wife before she came up. So, first of all, I just want to say this here, uh, her book, we have this out there, God, I Feel Like Cinderella. Uh, people will read this. Don't start tonight because you won't make Sunday morning. I've had people start reading it and say they can't put it down. I mean, I've had probably 50 to 100 people tell us that. And that's, I'm just making it so I'm not exaggerating. And uh, this was the last book uh, Mary Tyler Moore read before she went to be, I, we believe, with the Lord. She was read to her because she was actually blind. Isn't that amazing that somebody read that book to her and uh, then my first book, and David perceived he was king. Uh, if you, you just need to read this. And, and this is not about your identity in Christ. This is about your identity in the kingdom. It will touch on Christ, but it's not talking about that you're loved. It's talking about what were you created for. And I just want to give you this. Do you know what they say about a superstar athlete? He's only 5% faster than the next athlete. Don't get better at everything. That's pride. Actually be terrible at something and become an expert in what you're good at. Does that make sense to you? If, if everybody in the church got 5% better, we could win battles. Do you know they don't give a picture batting practice? They don't care if he can't hit and strikes out every time as long as when he pitches, everybody else strikes out. Get good at what you were made to be good for and, and be okay with things you're terrible with. And, and you'll, you'll actually go further in life. If you try to be good in everything, you'll never be an expert. That's all I'm saying. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to talk about that song a little bit. You know, it says he's coming after us. I want, I want to just... It, I want you to understand, he comes after us for salvation. He comes after us for us to know his love. But he's also coming after us to display himself through us. And actually, when he comes after you, he's coming after every lie you believe about yourself that he does not believe. And if you will believe what he believes, you can see his glory through your life. That's what I'm talking about with identity. And I say this, until you see your father... Father God, as your father, you'll never ask for an inheritance. And if you don't ask for your inheritance on earth, you'll never be able to fulfill your destiny. Just put your hand over your heart and say, he loves me the best. No, no, you don't understand. He loves me the best. Stand in front of a mirror. You know what? Because most Christians really believe that he really loves you, but he loves Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Rick Joyner, fill in your favorite prophet, Bill Johnson. He loves them better so we get leftovers. Until you believe he loves you the best, you'll never ask for the best. And that's a problem. Because when you don't ask God for the best, you're actually judging his goodness. Are you with me? So when you ask him for more, you're actually Seeing him as a generous God, a loving God, a kind God. And when you say, well, I don't want to bother you, what you're really saying is he's an uncaring God. Now, it sounds really religious, 
but actually it's a judgment against him. I don't want to bother you, God. Yeah, like, because I don't care about you. Is that what you're saying about me? <laughs> Think about it. Then the throne of David, uh, the leadership and authority, the force of vision, and I just put this on there, change does not come to earth because we believe it comes because you're willing to lead. There are a lot of people believing for change, but if you don't lead, it will not change. And I just want to give you an example going back to my other book. David's worship life helped him win the battle with Goliath, but it did not change the worship level in Israel until he became king and he brought the ark back. So you can have a worship life that is stellar, but it's not affecting others till you lead. Does that make sense? So until you step up, God can't step out. I don't need any false humility. I want some people that will actually believe for great because this. How many believe he's a great God? Well, will you let him be great through you? I think I'm going to the moon, but I'm coming back. Okay, they're getting that. Do you understand what I just said? My question is this. How much greatness of the Father can you handle and still give him honor? How much of his greatness can you handle and actually uh, be okay with it? Do you know most Christians are better at handle, handling failure than success? We know how to get back up after we fall down. That's a natural instinct. But to stay low when you're lifted up is actually a greater temptation. So how many of you are ready to go to another level? Now, what I'm going to do, uh, if you're having trouble with this, I actually use a handheld mic very well, and it normally, it sounds better. So I use them all the time. Why don't I just use that? Because if, if, if that's okay with you guys back there, let me use the handheld. Uh, I, I actually prefer them. I'm going to leave it in my pocket. If I take it home, you've been delivered. No, just kidding. <laughs> I've actually done that once or twice. I was driving from church and I thought, what's going on? I have their mic. Okay. <laughs> and also, I just want to say this. We have about $400 worth of teachings on CDs. We put it on a thumb drive. We have all this for $99. What a deal. This is better than Walmart. If it doesn't change your life, I'll give you your money back. And uh, I mean that. We've never had anybody ask for the money back. Don't be the first one. It means you didn't read. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have to have some fun. What I'm going to talk to you about tonight is, it's actually coming from my fourth book, which will be coming out in about two months. I've been working on this book for about three years. I actually put another book in front of it because how many of you know when you're working on something, you know you're not all the way through it? The, the title of the book is Shattering the Limitations of Pain. Now, what I want to talk about is not forgiveness. I don't want to talk about inner healing. Those are all good things to talk about, but this is not what this is about. What this is about is where pain starts to change the way you see yourself. It starts shifting your identity. 
Pain does not build character. If it did, everyone in the world would have great integrity because everyone has suffered pain. Pain does not build character. Your choice after pain either builds character or destroys you. Go to the prisons. Those are the people that made the wrong choice. Go to the palace and meet Joseph, who had to feed his brothers, who he heard talking about killing him, and sold him as a slave as an upgrade. How many of you want to feed your brothers like Joseph? Well, first they have to sell you into your future, but you don't know it. <laughs> How many of you are feeling better about the way some Christians have treated you? Do you know sometimes God has to find somebody to push your buttons? And I, I was complaining to God about somebody put over me uh, about 20 years ago. And God said, do you know how long I had to look to find him to get to you, to reveal what was hidden in you? And I was like, I just love you, Jesus. Thank you for really looking. You didn't know you had that in you, Dale. No, I didn't. And I thank you. He said, only this guy could have done this for you. Because if, if you want to go high in the Lord, you're going to have to go deep into your foundation. So this is the deal. The choices we make in the midst of pain, it, it builds or destroys. And so what we have to realize is pain naturally deforms our identity and it devalues our worth. And the enemy knows it. So this is the deal. A lot of times we will forgive people who hurt us or disappointments we suffered, but we live under the identity loss and we don't sign up for what we were made for. Because pain has stolen our value. It has changed the way we see ourselves. You know, this is the deal. We can live from the treasure that God has put in us or we can succumb to the trash that's been dumped on us. The negative thoughts that lie about who we are. And listen, if I can talk you out of who you are, I'm talking about the devil. If he can talk you out of who you are, he can talk you, you've already lost on what you can do. So therefore, the devil's biggest fear is you would find out the genius that's in you because if you, you find out what God has put inside of you and you start working on that genius, then what happens is you actually help other people win. When you must win, but that's not destiny. Destiny is when you help other people win where you've won. I have not gotten many people off of drugs. I was never a drug addict. I know a lot of pastors that were. They get a lot of people off of drugs. Why? Their victory is extended to someone else. If you can tell me your greatest battle, I will tell you whether you're going to have greatest victories for other people. We can change this sermon and talk about something nicer, but I'd like to get to the point. You are only tested where you are going. Do you know the test they have for an airplane is because it's an airplane. They have tests for cars because it's a car. They are not the same tests. They both transport. But you are not going to crash an airplane into a wall a hundred times over at 60 miles an hour to find out where everybody ends up in a seat. That's what they do for a car. 
You hear what I'm saying? So some of you are cars talking to airplanes and you don't understand. Well, what do you mean they put you in a wind tunnel and blow you sideways? I keep running into this one block. <laughs> cars and airplanes. But the thing is, they're both tested for what they do, what they protect, and their vision. So in it, like if, uh, let me just give an example. If you have trouble standing up in front of people, probably it's because you're supposed to. Now you have to get rid of that. Let me, let me just say this. If you have trouble standing up in front of people, you know what the problem is? You're thinking about you instead of who you're talking to. And actually you're thinking about you instead of who you're talking for. So we have to get out of the self-centeredness because fear is in self-centeredness in the love to God gives me boldness wherever I go. So it, it, expends, it extends my identity and it extends my assignments. If I always put it like this, do you realize that if... Um, You are known by the mantle you wear. How many of you have ever stepped into the hospital and you can normally tell the difference between a nurse and a doctor? The way they're dressed normally is the tip-off. And normally the doctor, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but they're normally the ones that run in and run out and charge the most. You don't see that. They're the ones that can have the short attitude. And, uh, uh, but they, their job is not to come and comfort you with kind words. Their job is to find out what the problem is and move to the next patient. They don't, they don't just watch over uh, maybe uh, like a nurse over 12 people. They watch over maybe looking at 100 as they do their daily visits. They go around and they're on a purpose. And if they sit and talk and be friendly, there's three people, maybe 30 people that will never get a visit that maybe need an adjustment. And the reason you have nurses that are good is the doctor can be so quick he overlooks something. And that's the truth. I've, I've known nurses say, uh, what? Uh, oh, he said, yeah, thank you for that. I didn't realize he was, they were already taking that other medicine. That would not be good. How many know doctors still have a practice? And so do you. You don't have to do it perfectly, but you need to perfectly and passionately be after the reason God put you on this earth. Now, I want to just come back to part of my, and David perceived he was king. But first of all, I just want to, I'm going to just uh, move and I want, I want to prophesy because, because the prophetic word brings life to people and it brings hope. So if you just say your name, and when I point to you, I won't come over to you because it just works, but I, I, you can just stand up where you're at or just sit. What's your name? Crystal. Crystal, I felt like I saw a flood of water. It's like comes in pictures to me, and it was coming toward your feet, but the thing was it was rolling backwards, and it reminded me when the wave hits when I was a little kid. It would pull me out into the ocean. You had to watch, and I felt like the Lord said, my daughter, I'm sending a wave of my glory that's pulling you into a deeper glory, and I'm giving you a strength in this glory you've not had in this past season. I saw dreams coming down on 
on top of your head and it was like opening up a book. I felt you're going to dream some things that you've written down in the past, believe God for. You're going to dream them. And the Lord said, I'm releasing an anointing to activate those dreams into another dimension of your spirit, my daughter. And I'm going to cause you to rise up with like eagle wings in this season. And this is going to be a time of separation and joining. And the Lord said, you'll feel separated here, but join there. And God said, it won't make sense until I felt like, I felt like this three years, you'll look back and say, now I understand why I went this unusual path. It was to bring me into this season. And I feel that you'll, it'll be in it, but in three years, you'll put it together. This is what the Lord did. I also felt this is a, there's fire in your right hand and you're going to start feeling the presence of God when you pray for people. So father, we just release that right now in Jesus name for crystal. Now, in this, as, as um, we think of this, if, if you don't embrace the greatness that Father God has put in you, you will never help others reach theirs. Now, I just want to give you a little story. I stood in front of a man who his father was a drunk. He beat him, the son, and he beat his mother, and he hated him. And I said, you need to honor your father. He said, he didn't give me one good thing. I said, I bet he did. He said, no, there's nothing. I hate him. I said, he gave you something good. I said, what was your father? He said, well, he was a businessman. I said, was he successful? I said, yes. He said, yes to me. I said, well, are you a successful businessman? He said, yes, I am. I said, where do you think you learned that? You may not be perfect. This is not a reason to beat or with drink beat. But I'm saying in the middle of all that hell, he learned to be, and he was a Christian, and he learned that he learned business because more is caught than taught. The way a person handles himself, you know, if, if you know, it's like, let me, let me just put it like this to you. When Pastor Yuri called me up, and if I just sort of walked up on him, you would already be rejecting me because I don't feel like I belong and I walk it out. When you know what you are doing, there's something in your spirit. How many of you have ever, when you start talking to somebody, giving them counsel, it is so good as helping you? That is not you speaking. That is God speaking through you. You are now letting his greatness come through you. So, and you look like, oh, I knew this all along, but you, write, you try to write down notes before you leave so you don't forget. How many of you prayed so good you want to pray it again? It's like in the middle of your prayer, God stepped in, starts, ever liveth to intercede through us. And it's so good. I, I've actually had sermons I start preaching so I'm preaching better than I studied. But I act like I, and I'm like, this is good. I'm, I need to listen to this. I'm going to tell you this. Until you're in all what comes through you, you've not allowed the Father's greatness in your identity. Now, this is a deal. If you don't believe you're a treasured son and a treasured daughter, you, you feel like 
He does not treasure you. Why would he use me? But when you realize that God so loved you that he came after you, not just to save you from hell, but to save you from yourself and your friends' opinions, to save you for what he made you for, because God needs some things done on earth and he needs people to do it through. And you know, we were, we were last night at Sight and Sound and we were watching Esther and, and they kept saying, uh, a life comes out of ashes. Can you imagine Esther's life? Her parents both die. She's raised by her uncle. It seems like her whole life is messed up. But actually, God is ordaining and he actually had to if you want to say it this way, he had to move the parents away to get Esther to Mordecai to position her to save a nation. Sometimes, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to talk about this this weekend, but it says in Isaiah 43, he said, don't remember the former things. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. Now this is when God says, behold, I'm about to do a new thing. That means you're not actually needed, but you should be aware. When God said he's going to do a new thing, it is a done thing. It's going to spring forward. The only question is, will you know it? Because if you don't know it, you can't participate in it. And I'm going to tell you what new looks like. I'm going to give you a little bit what I'll preach. New looks like a road into a middle of a wilderness. I don't like it either. That's just all I'm saying. How many of you know when you look at the wilderness, there's nothing from the past that's familiar. The only thing a road does, it's direction through a place you don't understand, and it's called a way to milk and honey. The, the way to the promised land starts with being trapped at the Red Sea, then going into the wilderness, and there's not enough water. God, is this your idea of getting us into promised land? It is. Why? I, I, I need you to trust me. You like the 10 miracles that got you delivered, but you really don't trust me that when you can't see anything that really I'm all you need. You mean you can bring water out of that rock? I, I can do all kinds of things, but are you believing me? You know, they grumbled, them, they grumbled themselves out of a land of milk and honey because they didn't like the path. And when they saw the giants, they wouldn't fight. They said, our kids will die. And then God says to them, well, I have to tell you the bad news. It's not the kids you're concerned about. It's actually you. So you're going to die in the wilderness, and your kids are actually going to take it. Now, in this, isn't that really strange? And I don't want to prolong. I could go into another part. But this is the part I want to ask you. Where has the pain of the past lied to you about your future? I'm not talking about unforgiveness. I'm talking about a dream that did not work, something that turned into a disappointment, and now you do not believe it's possible that you could, in the future, win in that exact area. Because in a place that God has called you to blossom, the Lord will allow the enemy defeat you maybe several times to make sure that your confidence is not in you but totally in him. Until you really become disappointed with yourself in some dimension, there's still a spirit of self-righteousness that you have to be delivered from. 
How many of you have ever been disappointed with yourself after you were anointed? That means you're anointed enough to know that God actually didn't like that. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? And so in that disappointment, as we go past that, we go into his goodness, his grace, not our goodness in our race. We go into his grace. And I'm not saying you have to do something crazy or wild. I'm just saying where you missed it in the spirit. And you realize, Lord, how did I miss it? He said, you didn't live in me. You started living in you. So what we want to do is, and, and I, I took this book and I took it out of the prayer of Jabez. And it says this, he was more honorable than his brothers. Now, what does it mean? They all experienced pain. I think Jabez more pain but Jabez went to God and he said, I want to shift this. I want to change this. And he believed that if he asked for it, he would get it. His brothers never did and they never got it. How many know we've all been through pain? Will you ask God for more than what pain has brought to you? That's really, really, really the question. Now, I just want to minister a little bit. And before I do, I just want to say this in a prayer. I want you just to close your eyes. Because this is going to be a, a, a revelation prayer. And I want you to say to the Lord, say, say, Father God, I'm asking you to reveal to me any pain or disappointments and how they've changed the way I see myself and my value to you and other people. Now, Lord, give me revelation of how you see me. And I'm going to shatter the limitations of pain over my identity. Now, I want you to look at me and I'm going to just tell you a story. When I was writing this book, it surprised me. I didn't even think about the story, and all of a sudden it came up. But we had just gotten a new German shepherd. We lived along a road, 50 mile an hour. And uh, this new German shepherd would run out and chase vehicles. He'd run in the grass. And I said, well, I'm going to teach this dog not to do this. I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to put it across its path. And it's going to trip, and it's going to learn not to run, you know, and I had a fence, and I was going to stand about 20 to 30 feet as the dog ran. In the grass, I was going to trip it. Well, I couldn't find a rope that long, so I got a string, about 25, 30 feet. And I put it up. This is a full-grown German Shepherd. I'm an 11-year-old boy. This time, the dog does not run along the grass. It breaks the string, runs out. The UPS truck hits the dog and kills it right in front of my eyes. And uh, the Lord brought this story back to my mind. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? He said, the enemy tried to bring a hopelessness over your spirit, 11 years old, and that what you would do would not work. It would just get worse. And all of a sudden, I realized that was affecting me even in my pastoring. 
that what I would do would not work. I would try, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good enough. It wouldn't do the job. And in front of my eyes, I would see it die. Now, see, that's not has nothing to do with forgiveness. It has to do with the devaluing effect of my identity. So, and in it, it's not in my mind, but in my spirit, it's added to other collection of pain to pull me out of stepping up because if I don't step up, I can't help you win. Does that make sense to you? So some of you are going to think of some stories you've forgotten about and you'll say, why am I thinking about it, God? That's what you need to ask. And then as you shatter it, but I saw like an unfolding of different stories that lined up with that when, where it was similar pain. And as I started breaking it, I found boldness and confidence coming to who I was. And I did not let those painful events devalue my voice, my mission, or my assignments. Now, I just want to say this as we end up. What's around you really doesn't matter. What's inside of you is everything. Because what's in you can change what's around you. If you don't believe it, talk to David about Goliath. Talk to Esther about Haman. But it has to be inside of you to change what's around you. Don't ever think what's around you is greater because the greater one lives in you and he made you for the greater. And just say, I was, the greater one lives in me and I was made for the greater. For greater than what I think. And even if I think that, even greater than that. Because God is a progressive greater. <laughs> do, do you get that? You know, when I, when I, <laughs> I counted to 10, my parents clapped, but I didn't know there was multiplication, subtraction, addition. I thought I just conquered math. And when I learned to divide, they didn't clap. But when I counted to 10, they clapped. Think about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Celebration when you're young is needed, but revelation is, and passion is what should take you on. But can you hear his celebration when you move in the spirit?